Hi, Anthem Church. It's so good to be with you. I really appreciate the invitation from your pastors to speak to you today. This has been an extremely painful and emotional few weeks in our nation, and we need God and we need each other. I'd like to start with a true confession. It's pretty embarrassing, but it, it's really true. I am afraid of the dark, like terrified of the dark. I have always been afraid of the dark. As a little kid, I had the typical fears of monsters and aliens and bad guys who come out in the dark, you know, the ones that jump out at you from your closet or they're hiding under your bed. And I don't really know where that deep fear comes from. Um, I, I speculate that when I was really young, I was super nearsighted and I couldn't see well without my glasses. Or maybe I just read too many scary stories. I really don't know, but this fear is real. And the fear of the dark has made me fanatical about light. I have flashlights everywhere. I have them in every room of my house. I have them by my bed. I have them in my car. I even have a little tiny one on my keychain. I like light because light makes me feel secure and safe. But it's not just physical darkness that makes me uncomfortable. I feel almost as badly about emotional darkness as I do about physical darkness. I live with a low level of depression, I have my entire life, and I really don't remember what it's like to not have the weight of the world on my shoulders. There's actually quite a long line of depression on my father's side of the family that goes back several generations. So there's a really strong genetic bent in that direction. Well, one of the things that physical darkness does is it distorts everything we look at, but so does emotional darkness. And when that darkness starts to distort what we're looking at, and we can't see clearly anymore, it can become frightening. And I wonder how many of you watching this message could say, I understand something about emotional darkness. I have that feeling and feeling lost and it's very uncomfortable. I just want you to know that I hear you. A few years before my son Matthew died, his depression, his very serious depression became even more intense. And as his mom, I was worried, I was fearful he had talked about taking his life for a long time, and I lived on the edge of panic every single day. And one night after a particularly difficult season that he was going through and a really hard conversation that I'd had with him, I was sitting alone in my home office in front of my computer late at night. Rick had already gone to bed, and it was just me and my fearful thoughts. And I decided to use a computer Bible program that I have to search through the entire Bible for every verse that uses the word dark and darkness. And within seconds, I had 20 pages of verses that use those words. And I found verses like 2 Samuel twenty-two twelve, 12, talking about God. He wrapped himself in a trench coat of black rain cloud darkness. And I said, yes, God, that's exactly how I feel. I feel like you are hidden in impenetrable darkness. And then as I was continuing on, I came to Job 19.8 that says, God has blocked my path and turned my light to darkness. And I said that back to God. Yes, I feel like you have blocked us at every turn. I don't know what to do for Matthew. I don't know how to help him. And then I came to Psalm 13.3 and the desperate cry of the psalmist who said, Answer me, O Lord, my God, give me light in my darkness, lest I die. And then I came to Isaiah 45, 3, and it was so startling that I actually gasped out loud. Isaiah 45, 3 
says, I will give you treasures in darkness, riches hidden in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord God of Israel who summons you by name. Now, I had three instantaneous reactions to that verse. The first was this. I don't want to be in the darkness of suffering God. I don't want to be in this darkness. The second reaction that came almost right on top of the first was, wait a minute, could there really be treasures in the darkness? And then my third reaction was, if there are treasures in the darkness, then back to point one, I don't want to be in the darkness because if that's where I have to find these treasures, let me remind you, God, I just told you, I don't want to be in the darkness. Let me give you the context of this verse. Isaiah 40 begins a section of scripture that tells of Israel's coming release from bondage to Babylon. And in chapter 45, God gives a promise about a Gentile king, Cyrus, who is going to deliver Israel from captivity. God makes a promise that he's going to make this Gentile king wealthy. He says, Cyrus, you're going to find buried treasure and riches that have been hidden. And as a result, you're going to become very rich. And that's exactly what happened. King Cyrus finds all the treasures that the Jews had tried to bury and hide in the ground as they were taken away into captivity. And the amount of gold and jewels he gained from his conquest is legendary in history. He became the king that delivered the Jews from captivity and he became rich at the same time. It's awesome to see God fulfilling a promise of deliverance to his wayward people. That's good. But I have to tell you that when we're in the depths of despair, of despair, Cyrus, Babylon, and the captivity of Israel don't instantly lead to comfort. That night, when I was searching the Bible for comfort for my fearful, hurting heart, Cyrus's wealth did not make me feel better. I needed to know what God was promising me in that moment. What I found, and what I hope you will come to see as well, is that God is the same God then as he is now. The same God that he was then, he is with us today. He enriched a physical king with physical wealth so that he could fulfill God's calling. And I believe he wants to do that for us spiritually. He wants to enrich us with spiritual treasures so that we can fulfill his calling on our lives. And like Cyrus, who found treasures hidden in the darkness, we too can find treasures in the unexpected places of darkness, those places of suffering, those painful places we would very much not like to be in. So I want to look quickly at four phrases in Isaiah 45.3 that tell us what we can expect from God in our dark times. So look at that phrase, the treasures of darkness. Well, evidently, God has hidden treasures in the darkness of our suffering. And maybe your first thought when you hear that is similar to what mine was. But I don't want to be in the darkness. It's scary and I hate it. I just want out of this dark place. I want my family out of this dark place. And maybe you too, like I did, doubt that this is really so. I mean, it sounds really nice and spiritual, but is it true? And you might also be thinking, if there are treasures in the darkness, I'm not sure I want them because they probably only come because I'm in pain. 
the very first challenge to our faith here is to believe that these treasures exist, that they can be found, that they are available to all who seek, and that on top of that, they're valuable. They are worth seeking. And yes, it seems clear from this verse that there really is a specific category of treasure only seen when conditions are the darkest. Treasures that are not found in the light and happier times. So right away, we have to make a decision. I had to make a decision that night. I had to decide, will I surrender myself to God in this darkness? Will I stop fighting and resisting him? He has allowed me to be in this dark place. He knows I'm here and he's speaking to me in the darkness. Will I listen? Will I embrace this time as something he has allowed? I have to ask you, will you stop fighting him? Will you stop resisting? Will you begin to believe that he knows you are in this dark place and that he says that there are treasures in this dark place that he's going to give you? That's a decision that you and I have to make. The second phrase that stands out to me is the phrase, riches hidden in secret places. It's really important to know that God is not talking about giving us trash dressed up like treasure, you know, worthless items that will only make us think we found a treasure, kind of like when you did a scavenger hunt as a kid and you got bits of rubber bands and paper straws from your neighbor and you've got a treasure. No, that's not what God's doing. He makes it clear that he is talking about giving us something of extreme value, treasure, something that will make us spiritually rich, fabulously wealthy, like King Cyrus. When I was going through treatment for breast cancer 15 years ago, I kept thinking about Job 23.10 that says, he knows the way I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, I didn't take that verse as a guarantee of physical healing. I mean, if God wanted to do that, that's what I wanted too. But I didn't take it as a guarantee. He didn't owe that to me. But I did see the potential for producing gold in my life if I would go through that trial in a way that was honoring to him. I, I began to long for the suffering of cancer to give birth to something lovely, something of lasting value something as rich as gold. 1 Peter 1.7 from the New Living Translation says, these trials are only to test your faith, to show that it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. In my life, gold was produced in the fire of cancer, and it is being produced now in the fire of the suffering of the grief and the loss that engulfs me in the death of Matthew. Through breast cancer, I gained a new ability to relate to people who suffer life-threatening illnesses. I stared death in the face and I just wasn't as afraid anymore. I gained a new appreciation for the brevity of life, how short, how precious it is, and was more committed than ever to living every single day that God gives me with passion and purpose. 
in the grief and devastation of losing Matthew. I have gained a more intimate walk with Jesus as I have learned how to trust him in the darkest places that I've ever been. It has created in me an increased longing for heaven, that resurrection of Jesus Christ where he conquered death and then promises eternal life for all who believe in him. That is my dearest hope. And I long for the restoration of broken bodies and broken minds that will take place in heaven. And in this suffering, I have learned how to comfort people in their suffering with the comfort that God has given me. This may sound strange, but one of the hidden jewels, one of the hidden treasures in suffering is the recognition of emptiness. My friend Nancy Guthrie, who has lost two of her children to a metabolic disease, says emptiness can be good. When in our emptiness, we come to Jesus to be filled. So my friends, he promises there are treasures in this darkness. Can you believe it? I want you to ask yourself, what is the gold that God is producing in my darkness? What treasures have I gained? What riches has God given to me in this time that I have not recognized or valued? The third phrase that I really want to emphasize here in this verse is, so that you may know I am the Lord God of Israel. Isaiah 45, 3 reveals God as the Lord. And one thing I know for sure is he uses the darkness to reveal himself as the creator, the sustainer, master, ruler, deliverer, the almighty, the everlasting one, the source of all life. He is huge. This God is big. He's transcendent. He's bigger than the universe we live in. And he's way more powerful beyond any Marvel superhero. And because we know that, because he is so big, we know that he has the power to intervene in our darkness. Some of you could tell stories of seeing this big God at work in your life. You could tell stories of marriages saved, people restored to health, financial ruin averted, friends who were hostile to God, finding Jesus as their savior, the people that you never thought would come to Jesus, but they have. And these stories are thrilling and they give us goosebumps. We ask him for miracles every single day because we know he's God and we're not. And you and I must be sure that we are asking him for miracles every day because he is that big. But this huge transcendent God is also very small. Isaiah 43, 45.3 closes with this phrase, who calls you by name who summons you by name. This almighty God who is transcendent is also imminent. He's intimate. He's personal. He reveals himself as helper, healer, savior, friend, lover of our wounded souls. And so we know, just as we know that that big God intervenes sometimes in miraculous ways because he has the power to do it, this small, personal, intimate God will be as close to us as our next breath. He will not leave us in the darkness. 
Acts 17, Paul's doing this long riff about what God has done and, and uh, talking to people about, you know, the temple of the unknown God and kind of like right in the middle of it. He breaks in in verse 27 in the message paraphrase and he says, so that we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. This God, this big God knows me by name. And I'm fully known by him. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now we see but a poor reflection, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You guys, there is nothing more intimate than being fully known. With all of our weirdness, our weaknesses, what makes us laugh, what makes us cry, to be known, of our fears to be known, our hopes, our dreams. But nobody on earth will ever fully know you. It's just impossible. The veil of flesh makes it impossible. But God is the only one who can go into the depths of who you are through the layers and layers of your personality to the core of your being. And this is the God who calls you by name. What a treasure. That night, 10 years ago, when I felt swallowed up by darkness, by the darkness of pain and suffering, when I felt like God was hidden from me, that he had a, a trench coat of, of black darkness around him, where I was groping for comfort in the inky darkness of the night in my distorted emotional state, that night changed me. I saw for the first time with complete clarity that I needed to change my perspective. I needed to make a choice not to stay stuck in the pain of the darkness, seeing only the losses, the grief, the fear, everything that I had found in the darkness. But then instead, I need to make a choice to seek beauty and light, to believe that there is treasure in the darkness that would enrich my life and the lives of people around me. That night I came to a new realization that God is still a big God who has the power to intervene, but that he was also small and personal and that he would be with me as I searched for hidden treasures and riches. Knowing these four truths will bring hope to you and will bring meaning to any suffering and purpose in your pain. Psalm 18, 28 says, Lord, you have brought light to my life. My God, you light up my darkness. Isaiah 50, 10, let him who walks in the dark, let her who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on her God. Let me just pray for you. Father, I'm so grateful that your word reveals you to be a God who is not only huge and transcendent and holds the world in place by just the breath of your mouth, but you're also a God who is as close as our next breath, that you never leave us in our darkness. God, there are some folks watching this today who are just in the deepest darkness they can imagine. Life has thrown them curve after curve. The time of COVID-19, the time of 
complete turmoil and injustice and pain in our society has brought them to their knees and they are feeling overcome by that darkness. They can't find you. They're searching as I was that night 10 years ago and many have felt that complete despair. God, I ask that you would bring light to our lives in the way that you did for me that night, that you would be the light in our darkness, that you would help us to look for, seek the treasures that are hidden in our suffering, that we would not be overcome by our suffering, but actually we would yield them to you so that you can produce gold, something of deep value that will benefit us and benefit everyone around us. Thank you, God. Thank you for revealing yourself to us, not leaving us trying to figure it out by ourselves. But you are a good God and you are with us and we can trust you. I pray a blessing on my friends at Anthem Church. Do your best work in them, Jesus. Do your best work. And in your name I pray, amen. It's good to be with you.